Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my partner in crime and sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Yay, our first live of the week. How fun. Yeah, how's it going? Good, really good. You know, just living the life. Got my uh, True Crime Paranormal t-shirt from our new merch store, which I'm pretty excited about. Nice. I'll share a picture in the... In the vid here of some of the stuff that I got, I was really excited. I wanted to get some things, kind of see, like, yeah, what do they look like and stuff. And I'm, I'm very pleased. Awesome. Very yeah. exciting. I got this uh, sticker to go on the back of my phone. I'll show you in just a second. But awesome. here's kind of, here are my goodies laid out here. I'll show you a picture. Because I just thought this would be really fun. I haven't owned a lot of things, a couple things, but not a lot of things that say, like our name on them and stuff. But look at this. Yeah. I got this for the back of my phone. Get into my camera. What the oh, hell? Okay. I love See that? it. Yes. So then I oh, got a sweatshirt fun. and a tank top and a bunch of stickers and a t-shirt and a button. Somebody just went on a spending spree. I like. I kind of did. I was like, hey, I want to <laughs> see what some of the stuff looks like. Plus, I'm like, I should be probably just advertising this everywhere I go, right? Right. Well, we've so, had experiences, right? When we've been places and people are like, I've never heard of true crime paranormal. And we're like, well, that's us. And this is what we do. And yeah. we, we were in Boise uh, a while back and talked to the girl at the, uh, what school? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, a, a store. And she mm -hmm. ran out a piece of receipt tape and wrote our stuff down and put it in her pocket as we were leaving. She's like, yeah. I'm totally going to want you. So, ah, mm -hmm. so fun. I love yeah, it. really fun. Well, good. I I'm just going to have fun with fun. that today. Yeah. And of course you can find our, uh, merch store if you just go over to our website which is true crime paranormal podcast and scroll down to our store you click on it and we have a brand new design coming out this week we're going to launch it tomorrow to celebrate mm -hmm. because in the night we hit a milestone that we have been waiting on pins and needles for for too many weeks actually <laughs> but we finally hit 3,000 subs here on YouTube so yeah super excited, excited. about that and hello, innocuous, Renee, Elizabeth, Fran. Good to see you guys here. Uh, so uh, so other than that, you're good? I, you know, I am. I'm good. I'm in physical therapy right now because I, I have a problem with my shoulder. And yeah. um, that's been really awesome. Uh, I've been really enjoying that. I'm getting dry needling. I don't know if you've never heard of this, but they take uh, yeah. needles from a, like they're like acupuncture needles. Mm -hmm. but they stick them into your sore muscles because it brings the blood and your body's attention. Like it brings some irritation and brings yeah. your attention, your body's attention to that spot. And my gosh, that works. Nice. I'm really having a good experience with that. Very good. That's cool. Hello, Patricia. Uh, yeah. Renee wants to know, and Paula and Patsy, that's going to be the whole show. Just me saying hi to everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Deborah. Oh, good Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to see you all here. Renee wants to know what the fabric feels like. She says she's really particular about how clothes feel. Okay. So Renee, me too. And that is what I love about this merch provider we're with now mm -hmm. is that you get a bunch of different options of different kinds of fabric. This is particularly the soft mm -hmm. t-shirt fabric. And so it is the thin, lightweight, stretchy, soft t-shirt fabric. Cause I hate the big heavyweight, stiff, like, t-shirts that you get a lot. Oh yeah. Um, and so there are, are actually a bunch of different options. They have 
I got a French Terry um, sweatshirt, which is the lighter weight sweatshirt material, uh -huh. the softer, lighter weight stuff. So yeah, actually this has lots of choices of different nice. fabrics, which I think is super cool. It's, it's, it's the most choices mm -hmm. of fabrics I've ever seen on a merch store. So it was one of the reasons mm -hmm. why I really thought it would be a good one for us is because mm -hmm. it has tons of options. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I can't. Christy and I both have rheumatoid arthritis. And so when you're in a daily battle with your body, you cannot also be in a battle with your clothes. No. <laughs> so we're both looking for the softest, lightest, most forgiving, loving thing you can possibly have. Uh, V-neck. I believe they do, Deborah. Yeah. Yes, they do. And so they have men's sizes and women's sizes and they have V-neck in both. Yeah. And I love so that. I hate having to buy men's sizes clothes because the sleeves are so long on me. Mm -hmm. It's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Me too. So yeah, I really like these guys because they have so many options when it comes to their clothes. Really nice. Very good. Cool. Well, I'm good too. I almost had to call you for a ride today from Walmart. Are you serious? What happened? Yeah, I, I about talked myself out of my ride. Oh. <laughs> so uh, earlier today, my husband said, he, I need to go to Walmart today. I need to buy a, a bucket. And I, of course, said, and a mop. <laughs> if, you, if you know, you know. And he, he said, no. So we get to Walmart and I said, what are we here for? Because my memory is total garbage. And so he, he listed off some other things off of our list and said, and a bucket. And so naturally I said, and a mop. <laughs> if you guys don't know, I'm referencing a really nasty song called the WAP anyway, uh, that our teenagers sing and, you know, get threatened for. And anyway, so we're all very sick of this song, but now every time I hear bucket, you know, you so anyhow, we're shopping along and I got the things I needed. And I said, what next? And he goes, I got to get that bucket. <laughs> and I said, very quietly, and a mop under <laughs> my mask in Walmart. And he said, one more time, and you are walking home. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Scott. He really has a lot to put up with, with me, well, to be honest. But <laughs> he does, but. He's a good sport. He's been around in this family for a long time. I told him, if you leave me at Walmart, I will just call someone to come and get me. Or, you know what? I have a phone. I can get Uber. You just, right. you, I'll come home. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll buy a mom. Yeah. Shit, dude. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, it is, of course, our uh, solved cases night. Well, it's our case update. Case right? update. And but we ended up doing our case update as a whole show last night, uh, you know, that launched this morning because we had so much to say about the uh, Zulima stuff and Alex's, uh, you know, the police reports from Alex Cox's death. And so that all came out this morning. Uh, as many of you know, that uh, episode is getting a ton of play. But we do have a solved case we wanted to bring you. We've started trying to do a solved case on this night because. Uh, it's a good night for it. And it's really nice to see some of these cases actually having some resolution. Ones that families probably never thought would be solved at this point. Right. You know? I mean, this is a very old case. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, Renee had the vaccine. She said her arm's oh, a little sore, good. but otherwise all good. Yay, Renee. Jealous. Our sister Kara felt like she had COVID for 12 hours after. Yeah. She was, she was she's already had sick. it. So she got yeah. pretty sick. Just like 12 hours and then she was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hoping. I think that uh, here in our state, uh, high-risk folks such as ourselves are supposed to be able to start getting it in February. So, yeah, it's exciting. Good news. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's talk about the case. This happened in Texas 46 years ago, a 46-year-old cold case. And uh, naturally, at this point, her family, you know, I think never really thought they'd get any resolution. So on February 16th, 1974 in Fort Worth, uh, her name was Carla Walker. And she was getting ready to go to her school's Valentine's Day dance to a formal. But she'd spend all day getting her hair and makeup done, getting all gorgeous, you know, and ready to go to the dance. And it was kind of like your little all-American romance. Her, She was a cheerleader. She was a junior. Her boyfriend was a senior. He was the quarterback of the football team. They had their whole little high school thing going, you know. And they were both just really beloved kids. Good grades, you know, did well. Their families loved, you know, her family absolutely loved him. Uh, His name was Rodney, by the way. Uh, They both just had a lot going for them, big futures in front of them. And were making plans, like future plans to be together after high school. Like they're probably planning Mm -hmm. to get married. And yep. Yep. So much. uh, Yeah. So much of a future, you know, coming together. So they went to the dance and they had a lot of fun. A lot of kids saw them there. I Rodney did say that uh, at the dance, they did smoke a little weed and drink a little uh, from a flask. After the dance, they went to a local eatery and ate with friends and hung out there for a little while. And then then they went to the bowling alley and used the restroom there. Uh, Some people did see them there. And then they went to a parking lot and parked, you know. And they were in the back seat of the car. Uh, as you do after, you know, as like you do prom. after a dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming they were in a church parking lot somewhere, or is that just where we live? But, <laughs> That's such a Mormon thing. <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, I, they did not notice someone coming up to the car. This all like feels like the Zodiac killer in some ways up to this so point, right? Yeah. A stranger opened the passenger door and Carla was leaning against the passenger door and didn't see him coming. And when he opened the door, she fell out of the car and Rodney tried to get a hold of her and the man hit him in the head with something hard and then put it against his head. And he realized that it was a gun. So Carla was screaming at him to stop hitting Rodney. And Carla said to him, I will go with you. Just don't shoot him. Rodney heard the gun go off once and thought he'd been shot, but then realized that uh, the man then pointed the gun at his face and started pulling the trigger and nothing happened. So there wasn't anything in the gun at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he hit him in the head with the gun and knocked him out and knocked him unconscious. So he did, Rodney says he remembers hearing her screaming, go get my dad. Yeah. So when he regained consciousness, he didn't really know how much time had passed. He was very bloody and beaten up. He jumped in the car and raced to Carla's house, basically collapsed in their front door, telling them, you know, that she had been kidnapped. And her father ran to the bowling alley. Uh, I think they were parked actually at the bowling alley. They had just gone to a little more secluded part of the the parking lot Mm -hmm. uh, when this happened. At any rate, at this point, the bowling alley is closed. There's no one there. Uh, the police show up there, too. And the police and volunteers start searching 
the whole area for Carla. They searched on foot, horseback, helicopter, combing the whole area. Yeah. Rodney had a pretty good description of the man. He said he was a clean-cut Caucasian, slender, with short wavy hair and a thick Texas drawl, average height, and he'd been wearing a shiny green sleeveless vest and white cowboy hat. It's a pretty good description. Mm-hmm. Um, at the abduction site, they found a 22 cal Ruger pistol. Mm-hmm. So initially, they're looking at Rodney for it. Yeah. Which is so sad because her family loved Rodney up to this right. point, you know, and so they don't know what to think. But after three days, they find her body. So yeah. she was partially clad. She was in a ditch near a place called Lake Benbrook. Uh, there was evidence to suggest that she had been tortured, sexually assaulted, and injected with morphine. So the autopsy uh, estimated her time of death as of Monday, meaning she had been held captive and tortured for around 36 hours before she died. And the official death uh, was ruled as a strangulation. So the police just get flooded with tips. They have 200 tips from the public. And they do have several suspects. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a guy who was a car thief that only lived about a mile from the bowling alley. They looked hard at him. There was another man named Glenn McCurley who was a truck driver and he was off work the night this happened. Uh, No alibi. His wife was gone for the weekend. The reason they looked at him is because he had recently purchased new bullets for a 22 Cal Ruger pistol. Mm. And so that is why he was a suspect. Uh, A gun that matched the magazine, of course, was found at the abduction site. He says that he did not have that gun any longer, that it had been stolen right around the time that Carla had been abducted. He hmm. not really heard that story before. Mm-hmm. He did not report it stolen because he had a criminal record and shouldn't have had the gun in the first place. So they d- didn't have enough evidence to charge him and they eventually just released him and moved on to other suspects. So Over the years, uh, several people, you know how people do this. It's so freaking weird. Several people have come forward and attached themselves to the case, but uh, then turned out to not be the culprit. They've really not had anything. What they did have, though, was DNA that was on Carla's clothing and had been preserved. So in the 90s, the DNA was put into the national database and nothing came up. So They've just been waiting and kind of resending it through every so often. Well, in April of 2019, the police get a random letter from someone claiming to be the man who had abducted and murdered Carla. So they put the letter out on social media asking the culprit to just come forward and turn himself in. Uh, You know, apparently he was uh, indicating that he was tired of carrying this with him, but he didn't. So in September 19, September 2019, the police joined forces with a lab called Othram, a private lab in Texas. They were able to pull a full genetic profile of the suspect with the DNA that they had. So using familial genealogy, familial. Was that genealogy and DNA in the same word? Yeah, that's too much. Genealogy? (laughs) Yeah, 
genealogy. Yep. Uh, the lab was able to reverse engineer a family tree. This stuff is so freaking amazing. It is. Anyway, able to narrow it down to three brothers, all by the last name of what? McCurley. Yeah. Was the truck driver all along. Mm. So, of course, the cold case investigation. Cold case investigators immediately picked up on that last name because it matched one of the initial suspects. So the police collect a sample of his DNA from his trash, send it back to the lab. They match it positively. And from that, they're able to get an arrest warrant. After his arrest, he submits two more DNA tests and they both come back positive. And they are certain now that they have the right man. So 46 years later, so this was the very end of November of 2020. So here just about six weeks ago, uh, Mm -hmm. he faced a grand jury. So now he is uh, 77 years old and he's facing a capital murder charge. He's held on a $100,000 bond. And now finally, Carla's family has some relief. And now everybody finally knows just 46 years later that Rodney didn't do it. Yes. How terrible to carry that over your head for all that time and yep. be innocent and no one, you know, they never solve it. So they don't, can't prove it wasn't him, you know? Yep. Sad. So this will now have to wind its way through the courts, which is going to take some time. But at any rate, another solved case, thanks to familial DNA. Yeah. It's so amazing. Well, it is so amazing. And Katie and I both had a very visceral reaction to this picture. It sure did. Because he looks a lot like our deceased grandfather. Mm-hmm. Who was, who was a pedophile. Yeah. Yes. And we yeah. had this, I think you and I had the same thought at the same time, even though we weren't talking about it at the time, that yeah. what if familial, familial DNA ever came back on a case against him? Right. I know. That's so weird because that is exactly what I thought. This picture creeped me out. He does look like him. So much. Yeah. yeah. So much so. Um, well, and, and I learned why we're in true crime, guys. <laughs> yeah. I learned something today. Like if you've done your DNA through like uh, 23andMe, it is not in this database. They don't provide uh, DNA to police without a search warrant. And so the familial DNA that they're using to track back is DNA that has been donated to other sites and labs that have agreed to allow that to be in the you know, database that the police do use. And so if you want to be a part of the solution, mm-hmm. And we'll do a little more research and, and, you know, make sure that everyone knows how to uh, donate to the correct labs. I did 23andMe. And to be honest, I figured that uh, that would be a part of the equation, but apparently it's not, which made me scare. Yeah, they're protected. They kind of have to notify you beforehand that they're going to use it. But I, you know, it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think we should, knowing what we know. I had the exact same thought. And you, you can Yes, donate your DNA and help uh, build a familial family tree because this is obviously exactly how these cases are being tracked back and cases are being solved. It's just, it is absolutely amazing. It is. It truly is. And, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, ethical conversation to have about DNA and using people's DNA and, yeah. and, yeah. and all that stuff. And I do get that. 
Mm-hmm. But when you see the good that it can do, a case like this, where this family gets closure, Rodney gets closure, this yep. individual is at least finally off the street because mm-hmm. how how many other people, you know, I mean, is this really his only case? Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I, so it's hard to determine, you know, if, if this is a safe thing to do or not do, I don't know. I know. And I know when I did mine, uh, quite a few of my clients were pretty appalled, you know, and, and said they would never, ever do that. Uh, personally, it was an amazing experience for me and I, I'm not worried about it, I guess. Uh, you know, and if you are, that's fine. No judgment. But I, for me, but now I'm looking at it going, oh, I really would like that DNA to go to uh, a, a larger scale place. I, I think definitely we should put our DNA. You know, just the same thing. But yes, JR23 and me does not share their DNA. Neither does Ancestry.com. No, um, because they, you, you have to give permission. Yeah. And both of them um, very specifically say in their like terms and conditions that they don't share. Yeah. I mean, they would, you, they'd have to have a, a court order in order to yeah. share your DNA. So if you're sharing it, uh, you know, you'd be sharing it to a site that was very specifically adding it to a national database or an international database. So you'd Even know if you wanted to do that. Yeah. 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 Pretty interesting stuff. It, it, it is. It, Never ceases to amaze me, honestly. So it, of course, it makes you wonder in this case, in Carla's case, how many of her family members are still living? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, her parents are probably gone, which is really sad. But uh, hopefully some of her family members, I hope Rodney's still alive to be. Able he to is actually, him. I read he's in his, he's only about 60. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah, at least everyone you know, gets to back to report on that for sure, because I think some of us, and if you don't want to, and that's something you're totally uncomfortable with, no judgment. Absolutely. No, not at all. Not at all. But if you are, you know, maybe we'll do some research on different companies and what the pros and cons are of it. And we'll, we'll do a show on it mm-hmm. and talk about it because it is really, really powerful. And it is yeah. something that has so many ramifications, probably many of which we haven't even thought of yet. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So there you go. That's, that's what we've got tonight. That's it. I'm excited to see that case. Honestly, I'm so happy to see that it got solved. Yeah, me too. And if you haven't uh, watched or listened to our case that just came out this morning, be sure that you do, because that's our big, like current active case update. Yeah. Um, is is uh, on Zulema Pestenis and um, Alex Cox and the police reports around his death. Uh-huh. We just didn't want to, you know, duplicate. But yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen that show yet, do it because it's it. interesting. We learned a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jr. If you're looking for relatives, uh, Twenty Three is a great site. Really good mm-hmm. site. Yeah, that's how we learned how Neanderthali we are. Yes, it is. Yeah, we're like a billion percent Neanderthal or something. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit Neanderthal. <laughs> but it sense. means we're short and we're strong. So, yeah. I mean, we're going to do the short part, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we'd, we'd survive in, I don't know, a pandemic or something. something <laughs> like that. Uh, oh, let's see. Have we heard of Orson and Orrin West? Yeah. We're keeping a really close eye on that case. Yeah, we are. Yep. It's, uh, that is the case. If you guys aren't familiar, it's two little boys that are missing in California. 
uh, outside of Bakersfield, I think in California City. They uh, have a, it. They have adopted parents. Uh, they're three and four years old. The it's looking like familial. You know, it's really there's a lot of lies and sketchy stuff and uh, the stuff that's going on with the uh, the adoptive parents is just very strange. Some of the stories that they've told the. Uh, they didn't initially let the police know when the children were missing too much time. That blew me away. You have a three and a four year old missing and you don't immediately call the police. Well, and they had moved into this house very recently. And some of the neighbors say they've never seen these little boys. They have no, no idea. And some of them have provided footage from their home that's across the street. And there's, you don't see the little boys. Now, police dogs, however, have been on site and they do indicate they're smelling the little boys, but then there's some speculation about, are they just smelling their stuff? You know, oddly, this happened a few days before Christmas. They were reported missing the same day that uh, Jessica Mast was uh, killed in Missouri and they, uh, The Christmas tree, there's several, there's like five kids in this family, right? There was only mm-hmm. one gift per little, for, for these kids under the tree, lots of gifts for the other kids, which I just think is really suspicious and weird. Mm-hmm. You it know, is. there's things. Yeah. So yes, we are very familiar with it. I've been keeping a really close eye on it. Haven't done a whole episode on it yet because uh, it's just active, ongoing, brand new and I don't know. It just didn't feel right to jump in on it quite yet. But yeah, we're very aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bianca says, uh, Zulim is a sketchy gal. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're psychic Neanderthals plus Scottish and, and English. We're like super yeah. English. Yeah. We're as white as you can get. Uh, according to our Haplo group, uh, our ancestors, our maternal ancestors, were in uh, England right around, they were in the area of Stonehenge when it was built. Yeah. See, I've always known that. I have Mm -hmm. past life memories of Stonehenge. I 100% Mm -hmm. do. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was very excited to read that. So, yeah. So so that's, you know, basically we built Stonehenge. So now you know. (laughs) Yeah, we built Stonehenge. (laughs) It took a lot of help because we are not very tall. Can you imagine people like us trying to stand those stones up? No, no, I cannot. Hello, we used magic. (laughs) I'm sorry. I forgot about the magic. (laughs) Get with the program. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's what we've got. We'll be back tomorrow night, of course, for the psychic show at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Yes. Yes. And then, and tomorrow, of course, keep an eye on Facebook and then we'll talk about it uh, when we get on the air. But we are launching a brand new t-shirt design tomorrow or or, a merch design. Tomorrow, too, yeah. to celebrate 3,000 over on YouTube. Yeah. So excited. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks so much for being here with us, you guys. Take care. Have a good night. You have been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Night, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments 
and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.